Welcome to Croxley Green Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Uh, which is where I have lived for the last 30 something years. Um, but before I was in ministry, I was a primary school teacher for 20 years, and uh, I know I don't look old enough, right? <laughs> but all these lives, I know, I, I just dye my hair. And um, you do too, right? Yeah, yeah good. Um, so last time I saw her, she was definitely a brunette. I'm just trying to work it out. Um, so in between being a primary school teacher and being a minister, hmm, I didn't do as hard work as these guys did, I just, the church appointed me and I led them, so I didn't really do the whole getting ordained thing, which now means I can drift off and do something else, but that's fine. In between the two, the 20 years and the 10 years, was this one year that was really tricky, but actually I think was probably my best year, and that was the year I had a breakdown. So in between being a teacher and being a minister, I had the darkest year of my life. It preceded, of course, losing Wendy, which was, I thought, a dark year. But actually, um, for those of you who've been there, right, you feel like there's going to be a reason why you have a breakdown, like you're going to be, you know, there'll be some warning. I didn't spot it. So I was brought up in the Isle of Man in a brethren family, if that means anything to any of you. I was brought up from a very little girl. I can't remember not loving Jesus. I always loved Jesus. And I worked out from very young how to get it right because Jesus would be pleased with me then. And so would all the people who were in the church. So I could, I could be a really good Christian. I was particularly good at praying out loud. I hear this right, because I don't think this is a good thing, right? But I was getting like competitive Christian syndrome going on here. So I worked out in my little brethren church where you weren't actually allowed to pray out loud if you were a woman, but I worked out as a 14-year-old girl that if I did it, they wouldn't stop me. <laughs> and I was right. And, uh, and I booked the trend a little, and I think I've been doing it ever since. But but the point was, I learned that there was this kind of performance element to being a Christian. And so I worked really hard at it. So when I went to university, it's not good, but when I went to university, I worked really hard there too. I better take over the Christian Union, I better get everyone praying right. I was like, people who know me now, who knew me then, said you were like the prayer police, Ruth, really. We weren't allowed to pray in tongues because that was very, very bad. We don't do that. Over here we pray, we do proper praying, long prayers. So I kind of got into this thing where... Then I was going to be a missionary and I went off over to France and I was going to go to Africa. I did go to Africa and worked in, in Northern Africa and then I met my husband um, and I stayed in Nottingham for 33 years. Who knew? In a, I know, but right, there's no seaside. What? what? I couldn't get further from the sea. All this time, and then I get to New Life Baptist Church. Lovely, lovely, lovely church. Lovely church. It was, it was called two different things then, two churches that merged. Nicest little church, like you really. I feel right at home. Nicest little bunch of people you could hang around with. And um, my husband is the worship leader, and I was doing lots of preaching and stuff by then. I didn't think it was all right. I was just doing it. And um, I, I kind of worked my way into it. And I was teaching full-time, and we had three children. We still have, actually. Um, three children, they're grown up now. <sighs> I, you can spot it, right? I just didn't see it coming. You know, I was still a human being, and I had forgotten. 
I was busy going, right, I love teaching. I love teaching. I wasn't one of those moany teachers. I really loved it, proper loved it. And I had a little motto, which was every child has a right to a standing ovation. So at least twice a year, I had to put on some opportunity for every single child in the school to get on the stage so that we could get them all. So it was like pantomime school. I don't know how we learned anything, but we did get an outstanding, so it was all right. But see, this is the point. We don't go off on one race. Education is more than just learning stuff and getting the numbers. I loved it loved every minute of it did not spot that I was having like three lives at once the church stuff also loved that we've got to get everybody saved right and then we've got to disciple them all and then we've got to teach them to pray and read the bible and live like we're living trouble was the way I was living was doing violence to my soul and I didn't know it and so I go back to this year in between the the 20 years and the 10 years and, and it kind of happened overnight. So I kept losing my voice. I got a lot of laryngitis. Although it's good to have a nurse in the house. I, I used to get a lot of laryngitis. It was overuse, really. And also, if you know anything about Manx people, we basically don't use anything below this part of our body for speaking. We just also, it's like, like a duck. You speak from here. So I wasn't speaking correctly. I wasn't breathing properly. That didn't help. And also, nobody teaches you to speak when you're a teacher. So you just do it. Um, so I kept losing my voice and I just kept going because that's what you do. You know, you don't need a day off. Why, who needs a day off? And the word resilience, oh, I now hate that word. Sorry about that, but it was like a badge of honor for me. I don't need a day off, 20 years of teaching. However, the day I fell apart was a bit like any other day, except I couldn't think what to have for tea. And I can just remember standing in the kitchen and, and sliding down the work surfaces with big tears running down my face thinking, I don't know what to make for tea. I know it sounds odd, doesn't it? But I took to my bed and I didn't get out of it for months. I, just, I couldn't face it. I couldn't face people. I couldn't face my job. I couldn't face anything that was my responsibility anymore. And it just, it's like the light went out. And where all my spiritual practices were quite busy about serving other people and I could, I could do the Bible inside, I could tell you all the books of the Bible right now if you like. No, okay. So I was just for the people who were about to leave. No, it's... A, so this professional Christian thing, that had gone a bit badly wrong for me because everything I knew how to do, serving in the church, reading the Bible, praying in the way I prayed, all of it was too hard work when I didn't feel well. So God is gracious and God is kind and he is still good, right? And I couldn't believe he'd left me. So I had to find another way to talk to him and be with him. And I found some really lovely people who were able to teach me different ways. Did you know, and you will know this, right? But somehow I've missed it. Middle of your Bible, there's 150 amazing prayers and psalms, well, they're called psalms, where the guy is really not okay and it's still praying. These were the only things I could cope with when I wasn't well, and they became, oh, like my life breath. And so there was this amazing kind of, oh, I can take, I can't read a whole psalm, there's too much, but even the, you know, he rants a bit in the psalms, doesn't he? He has a bit of a rant, and I break their teeth in their mouths, Lord, and smash their babies. It was not good. But, but I could get where he was coming from. It was like, this is awful, and I don't like it, and I don't want to feel like this, and I'm going to not run away, I'm going to say it to God. And so I could do that. But I'd take a little phrase that was always good and true, and I'd take my first cup of coffee of the morning, and I'd sit with it, and I'd, I'd say, look, broken and empty, 
you'll have to fill me and I would fill that cup up with just that little meditation I'd just go over and over the one thing over time these simple habits began to restore my soul in a way that wow, was something really beautiful I found some habits in retreat centres I'd had to go to. I did have to drive a long way to get to them. Retreat centres at the edge of nowhere, where you could go if you were a professional Christian to recover. And I think, why have I driven so far for the presence of God? But there were these like rhythms of prayer, you know, pray in the morning, pray at lunchtime, pray at the end of the day. Simple prayers, written prayers. Who knew we could do that? I didn't know we could do that. I thought we had to make them up. So there's sometimes you can read a prayer and someone else has written it. I nobody ever told me that was all right. I was at the Lord's Prayer. That's beautiful. So things that over all those years as a Christian I've missed became really precious to me. Rhythms of prayer, the Psalms, and being still. There was this moment. It's the second moment I knew I wasn't okay. was lying in my bed, watching reruns of Dallas. <laughs> Now, if you didn't watch Dallas the first time around, it was a terrible American thing, and it wasn't good on a rerun. But it was that moment that actually changed the way I thought about God, because I was lying there thinking, I am now useless. I, I am useless. I feel guilty. I feel like I should be able to pull myself together. I couldn't bear church. Loved my church, but they all wanted me to be better, and I wanted to tell them I was. So I either had to lie or not go. And everybody patted me. It was gorilla praying. Didn't ask me if they could pray for me. They just prayed for me. And I thought, I can't be better because I can't go back to my life. I can't do it. You can pray as much as you like, but God's too kind to heal me. It was a weird thing. So I'm in my bed and I'm watching me run to Dallas. And I wasn't really praying very much, but I felt God's arms come around me. I can't describe it any other way. And, and bearing in mind, this is a time in my life when I'm doing nothing. I'm not helping anyone, I'm not particularly reading my Bible, I'm not feeling very useful. And I feel God said to me, I heard him say to me, Ruth, I couldn't love you anymore and I'll never love you any less. How good's that? That's the gospel, right? I think I spent my entire life earning the love of a father who already loved me. And then it changed. I wrote in my journal, because I kept journaling, I think I'd rather keep this intimacy with you, God, than get my voice back. Turning point. Now, over time, and it's a long story for another day, I did get my voice back. I did come back to health. Not enough to do the job of teaching I wanted to do. The church very graciously took me on to lead them full-time when I came back to some health. But during the time I'd not been well, I had met lots of other people who were also unwell. And, and I will tell you later on in the weekend how that led to us setting up the Charity Renew Wellbeing, where we set up spaces, selfish spaces, spaces I needed because I wasn't well enough to lead the church any other way. Spaces where we could attend to our rhythms of prayer. We could do some hobbies that made us human together. And we could let the mental health team do their job rather than us trying to do it for them. That was all that we'd set up. It was just a little cafe space. But I'll tell you more about that later on if you're interested, because I'm not going to bang on about Renew Wellbeing the whole time. But where I take you back to is this story of my own broken life. I, I know the answer is Jesus. I always had known that. So how did I break as a Christian? If, on, on, a, on the, the well-being scale, if you look up um, loads of mental health stuff about well-being, there's like this seesaw. If you imagine a seesaw, and on this seesaw, on one side of the seesaw are all your challenges, and on the other side of the seesaw are all your resources, 
And the well-being scale would tell you, if you get those in balance, that bit in the middle is your well-being. So here's your challenges and here's your resources. So if somebody's got too many challenges, we just give them more resources. Okay, so I'm a Christian leader. On the resources end of my seesaw is the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit and all the resources of heaven. How did that get out of balance? I'd forgotten I was a human being. I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten to pace myself. I'd actually forgotten that God loved me anyway and I didn't need to earn it. That's probably not you, but I want to be honest and give you my story because I didn't set up some clever charity. I just had to live differently and I needed my church family to do it with me. And we happened upon a way of being church that seemed to work and other people want to do it. So just uh, before we get into this little bit, to tell you that we uh, set up the first cafe four and a half years ago. Um, It's in West Bridgeford in Nottingham. And uh, to date, I think we've just opened our 53rd cafe uh, nationally, which is really exciting. Um, Because it's so simple, and God is doing something simple and beautiful when we own our brokenness. So that's where I'm coming from. I, I, as I've said, I'm not going to talk about well-being the whole time. That's what I normally do. <laughs> so when Lisa booked me to do a church weekend, I thought, oh, I'll do a church church. I used to do church weekends a lot. In the last year, I have mostly gone around the country talking about just well-being. So this is a treat for me, not just to talk about well-being, but to go a little bit deeper into some of the stuff. So we're going to be talking about... How do I do this? We're going to be talking about that one. This bottom, that bit. Oh, okay. We're well, from the north. We understand that. That was. He said. No, I'm just going to translate it for you. So uh, the team have asked me to talk about breaking new ground. Okay. In our relationship with God is our first one. Then we're going to look at breaking new ground in our um, in our purpose in life, and then we're going to look at breaking new ground in the church, and then we're going to look at breaking new ground in the community. Okay. I told you I was a bit of a rebel. I've already thought. We probably won't talk about that. So, I brought a few bits along because, I'll give you a story first. We are going to talk about breaking new ground, but the ground we're going to talk about might not be new. Because I'm thinking as I prayed about this, the ground that God wants to break in our lives, mine included, is just deeper ground under the ground we've already broken. I'll tell you for why. I'm not a gardener. I listen to Gardener's Question Time and I think I'm a gardener, but I'm not a gardener. And when I uh, left church-based leadership to set up Renew Wellbeing, as a symbol, I decided to dig up a patch of the garden and put some beautiful fruit trees and some perennials in. See, I know the word, perennials. So I dug up a patch with my little trowel. Some of you are already spotting where this is going to go wrong. And I put in some beautiful perennials that my parents bought for me as a present for being good at something. They were always doing that. Anyway, I put in all these perennials and I put these little fruit trees in and they died. Anybody tell me why they died? I did did water them. I live in Nottingham. God watered them. (laughs) What did I do wrong? Well, there was something about the soil. Yeah. Not deep enough. I'll tell you what happened. I took them out. I just about saved the trees. And the next year, I thought, what's gone on here? And I, got, I nearly brought it with me, but I couldn't really be bothered to carry it. It's called the Root Assassin. It's yay high as a spade, and on the end of the spade are these sharp teeth. And I dug much deeper down into the soil, and I found stones. 
and underneath the stones, a pond liner I did not know was there. It was not far down, about that, I didn't go deep, did I? About that deep down, stones, and under the pond liner were all the roots of the bamboo I thought I'd got rid of. Now, if you've ever tried getting rid of bamboo, that took a while. I didn't get rid of it. It was under the pond liner. I didn't dig deep enough. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit in a moment, just for a couple of minutes, about a story in the Bible that might help us look at our relationship with God and digging deeper. The reason I told you my story at the beginning is I think what happened was I was living my Christian life somewhere about yay deep. I had dug a few habits with a trowel, and it was okay. I could keep a few things alive in there. There's a few wildflowers, some stuff that was growing. It didn't look awful. But deeper down was deeper, richer soil that would sustain me and provide fruit that might go on beyond me. And I never got the roots past the pond liner in my own life with God. Having to face not being able to do stuff for God made me sit quiet with him and understand whether he loved me or not just for me. And he does. There's the good news, folks. <laughs> but if we've not had the privilege of stillness and silence in our lives, and many of us have avoided it like the plague, we might not know that the gospel is not try harder and he'll be really pleased with you, but it is. He loves you because he loves you because he loves you. And you can't do anything to earn it. Deeper down is richer soil you'll probably need a root assassin for it. <clears throat> By the way, I'll tell you about these in a moment, but they are for you to take away. It's true. <clears throat> There's always gifts when I talk. But before I do any of that, before I talk to you just for a moment from John chapter 4, and it will be quite... I'm going to send you away with some homework to do in your sleep. <laughs> but I won't be going on and on about this. I'm going to bring you a Bible passage that I really want you to have a little play with in your minds. I would like you to each take one, don't eat these by the way, I'd like you to take one of these seeds because before I talk about the work we need to do, digging deeper in the, our own lives, let's not forget, you can dig as deep as you like, you can make a beautiful hole in the soil of your life, you can get really deep into who you are in God, but if you haven't got a decent seed to put in there, what's the point? It's just a big hole. And the seed of his love, of his word, of his truth, of who he actually is, the, the presence of Jesus himself who doesn't just show us the way but is the way, that's what the good seed is. The, the truth that I could not get my head around and didn't have any place in my life because there was a pond liner and some roots and, and stones was that God loved me because he loved me because he loved me, that Jesus died for me, that the cross and the resurrection are enough that it is enough, that his grace is enough, and that anything else that I can do or say is all extra. How good's that? See, there's good news. I won't have to go on an evangelism course to share that. I genuinely believe it. I know who I am because he loves me. I am loved and I am held. So I'd like you to take a seed for a moment, whilst I have a little pause. I'm only going to talk for another five or two, eight minutes, so please don't worry, it's going to be a long one. But as you take hold of a seed, I just want you to hold it in your hand and think, what do I actually believe about who God is in my life? What do I actually believe about Jesus, about what the gospel is? What's the seed? If you think about some of the Bible passages we're going to be looking at over the weekend, you know the parable of the sower when it falls in the soil. And the seed is the word, the word or the truth that's going to go in. 
So I suppose what I'm doing at the beginning of the weekend is saying, and what I'm not saying is, you really need to do some self-analysis and find out who you are. Because I don't think we'll know who we are till we know who he is. And I think when we know who he is, he'll tell us who we are. So what's the seed? What do you actually believe? What do you actually believe? Full stop. So take a seed, any seed, they'll all grow so you can take them home and plant them. And they'll grow into something amazing. Please don't eat them. And pass it on. And as you hold that seed in your hand, I'm just going to pray. And I'm going to pray that you... That's the thing. That's the power, the life, everything is held within that seed. Everything for that plant to grow is held within that seed. It isn't about how much faith you've got. It's, it's about what, who is it in? So Lord, as we hold these tiny little seeds in our hands that hold within them all the life that will make more life and more fruit. Help us to be honest about what we actually believe about you. You and us. Do you love us? Do I know I'm loved? Do I know that if I'd stayed in my bed and watched Dallas for the rest of my days, you couldn't have loved me anymore and you wouldn't have loved me any less? I do know that, Lord, and I'm so grateful. And what you've done at the cross and how you've risen again, it's enough. And so we can join in. Because you've done it all. The way, the truth and the life. So as you hold that seed in your hand, I'm praying that you would, over this weekend, begin to understand the power and the life in the tiny bit of truth that you've begun to believe, that you know is true. <laughs> So as you all hold that seed, just uh, briefly, I'm going to take you to a story that you may well know. If you've got your Bibles and you want to follow, it's John chapter 4. I'm not going to read the whole story. <clears throat> but I am going to tell you about this woman who Jesus encountered. It says he had to go through Samaria. So he had to go through Samaria. Just pause a minute. Did he really? No Jewish man would go through Samaria. They would go out of their way to go round it. Jesus had to go through. Why? Because he wanted to meet this woman because he knew she was waiting at that well. And there's a woman at the well and she's there in the middle of the day and she's there because her lifestyle choices meant she was absolutely ostracized from all of her social contact. She was lonely. And she was ashamed, maybe. And she was there on her own, middle of the day. All the other women went to collect the water, beginning and the end of the day. She wasn't there then. But Jesus sat at the well waiting for her, and he has this amazing encounter. And because of time constraints, I want you to read this if you get a chance. If you don't sleep well, I pray you do sleep well. But if you're not, have a read of this whole story in John chapter 4. It is the most beautiful encounter. And Jesus is sitting at this well and this woman comes along with this jar of empty jar 
And all she's going to do is get her water like she does every day, on her own, because it happens every day. And Jesus says, can you give me a drink of water, please? Doesn't sound like a biggie. If you lived there, that was a biggie. He shouldn't have been talking to that woman. He was risking his entire reputation talking to that woman on his own in the middle of the day. He shouldn't have done that. Don't you love that about him? He did it anyway. Because he knew that that woman was lonely and he knew that that woman needed what he had. But what he doesn't lead with is, right, I'm the son of God. You're obviously in a mess. So I'm going to give you some living water, okay? Hold your hands out. No. What does he lead with? I'm thirsty. Can you give me a drink? Verse 10. <laughs> verse, verse 7. Can you give me a drink? Will you give me a drink? Jesus makes himself vulnerable so that this woman knows that he is fully human as well as fully God. He sits with her. I love this about him. He makes himself available to her. And he was having a three-year ministry. A three-year ministry, and out of that three-year ministry, he takes time to go through some area where he shouldn't be and sit at a well with one woman. Now, we'd have organised some sort of event, probably, to get all the women who needed to listen to Jesus to be there and make maybe some seats around the well. Just one woman. One really matters. So I'm talking about digging deeper in your relationship with God, and the reason I read this passage is because you meet with God in Jesus here in a way that... If you dare to look a little longer, you might find some surprises. Because when I've read this story before, I read him saying, uh, right, go and get your husband. And she says, I haven't got a husband. I've had all these husbands and the man I'm with now isn't my husband. Now, I've understood that to be. And Jesus says, yes, go and sin no more. Does he say that in this passage? Read it? No. He never tells her she's a sinner. He doesn't tell her to try harder. He just says, I know that about you. I'm here anyway, aren't I? I'm here. I know everything you're trying to hide. I know the things you don't want the church people to know. I still sit at your well. I wonder what your well is tonight. I wonder where you go. Feels a bit lonely. You know, they keep going on about loneliness. I went to this thing at Houses of Parliament that the, the Minister for Loneliness was doing. It was supposed to be a discussion. It made me a bit irritated, really. Because they defined loneliness as older people living on their own. And I, 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 was, I was waiting for my question. didn't get a chance to say it. But it was, really? <laughs> that was what I was going to say, was really? We know you can feel lonely in a crowd, in a family, in a church, right? I'm not saying there aren't people who feel alone and lonely. What's the answer to loneliness? Well, we could say, well, it's better community. The church can do something about it. I'm going to say a shocking thing, and then we'll unpack it over the weekend. I think the answer to loneliness is solitude. I think until we learn how to be on our own with ourselves and with the God who made us, we will never know how to be with other people. For this woman, her aloneness, her... Her place that she went to every day became the place where she worked out who she really was and that she was loved. She was loved even though all these things had happened in her life. And she was brave, right? Here's a man sitting at a well. A well was where you went to go to meet men and she'd met a few and they hadn't worked out well. She could have walked away from this one more man, but she chose to stay. She had a theological debate with him, which she shouldn't have done. She was a woman. And he stayed and he gave her the dignity of waiting. And then when his disciple came, our disciples come back and they spoil the moment, she runs off to the very people she was running away from 
and community is restored. Encounter with Jesus, dare to be on your own with him, and dare to stay longer than is comfortable. I've put weight. Stay longer than is comfortable. I, I dare you, over this weekend, it's lovely being with lots of people. That is lovely. If you find yourself in a moment on your own with God, don't rush away from it. If you just want to sit and be on your own, if you want to go for a walk, not if you're a parent, obviously if you're a parent, tough. But really, it can be aloneness going on. There are seasons in our lives. We'll help each other with this. But I found myself doing it again today. I know this is true. The habits of my life over the last 10 years that have kept me alive have been to do with sitting quietly with God and letting him tell me again that he's God and I'm not. But do I find it easy to do? No. So today, when I was feeling a bit anxious about coming here, instead of going, I shall sit quietly with God and listen, I was like, right, I just need to read one more book and just get one more thought in my head and make one more note, listen to one more podcast. No. Do we, those are not bad things. Very often we're escaping from that moment when he sees us and he says, I know you. I know all about you. I'm here anyway. Where's your well? I, I, I have to tell you, there's probably nothing else I'm going to say that's more important than this right here, right now. Some of us have lived a lifetime of faith in a God who isn't the God who we see in Jesus. And then we're surprised when people don't want to know him. Jesus is, Jesus is so kind. And this encounter, if you read it, really read it as if you've never seen it before. His kindness to this woman is jaw-droppingly shocking. He is still that kind to you. Doesn't matter if no one else has spotted what you need. He is waiting at your well to meet you. Your well of disappointment, your well of everyday habits, your well of loneliness. He's there. Dare you stay. I hope, I pray, that it doesn't happen the way it happened for me. I don't wish that on anybody. That was long and hard and not at all pleasant. But I am so glad I met with Jesus in the way I met with him because otherwise I'd still be trying to please him. I'd still be trying to serve him water quickly and I would miss the point because here he says, that's thank you for the water, but actually I've got living water. Let me give you that. Give me that water, Lord, she says. Do you know what that is? Do you know what the living water is for you? Did you know that he doesn't mind if you're broken? Does, do you know that he didn't really fix this woman? Do you know that she still had four husbands and another one that's not her husband she's living with when she goes away? Do you know that? Do you know that he didn't love her any less or any more for that? I'm not saying we don't change our behaviour when we know Jesus, but did you know he loved you anyway? The rest is all a bonus. Now there's what I think the seed is. Now you'd want a handful of that, right? To be able to sow it in some more places. Now all we need to do is get digging a bit deeper with that root assassin and work out where the stuff is we can get rid of in our lives. What's taken the place in your life of where that truth used to be? Where's the pond liner for you? What's the roots of that bamboo? Bamboo's a terrible thing, don't ever plant it. Oh. Underneath the surface, making its way through everything else, killing everything else that's in there. What is that for you? 
What's taken the place of where? The pure soil of your life just was open to the word and the love of God. What's choking it out? Ask him. He's so kind, you know. He's so kind. So, I'll give you a little gift to take away with you tonight to help you with your homework. It's not homework, you don't have to do it. I know you're going to go to the bar. But um, one of the things that I talked about I really love to do is to take my cup, to sit with my cup in my hands in the morning, hold it in my hands, and that is like God is holding me. That's my definition of well-being. I'm a cup, empty, full, sometimes both. I've sometimes got sorrow, I've joy. It's all in there together. The mix is always different. It's not about getting it all joyful. It's just about knowing that he holds the whole lot. I'm held together in him. So I'm going to offer that you can have a cup to take away with you and a pen. Please bring the pens back at the end of the weekend, but keep them for the weekend. They're Sharpies. Please don't, kids, if you use these, please don't write on anything other than the thing that I have given you because they don't come off very easily. And I would like you to make any notes on this. So tonight, guys, as you take one of these things away, so you might take a cup. You might, if you're quick, take a trowel, if you would rather. I know when I've worked with mixed groups and I've said, what's your favourite cup? And some of the men in the room have gone, favourite cup? So if you would rather have a trowel, this is a gift to you from B&M Bargains, and you are able to write on this also. Or you might want one of these rather nice little coasters to put your cup on, and I'm going to tell you what I want you to have a think about to write on it. Or a little jar to store seeds in, and there's some seeds for you to take away. That's rather cute too. Or if you, if you think all of that's a bit naff, just take a notebook and uh, have one of those. Because what I would love you to do is for your homework to think with that little seed in your hand what is actually true one phrase one thought one truth about who god is and who you are in him one bit of a psalm one verse that somebody's spoken to you in the past one truth that's from his word you might need to get the bible out and have a little look and pick one thing and i'd love you to write it on your item that you take and then I want you to bring your item that you take back tomorrow because I'm going to ask you to write something else on it. So you're taking notes on this, okay? You don't have to if you don't want to. I am absolutely not offended by that. But people have found it helpful to have something to take away with them at the end. So don't lose it, okay? You can leave it under your chair if you want to. Uh, you're going to come and take an item, any one, just one, and a pen. And we'll just have a few minutes of quiet in which I'd like you to begin to ask God... Ah, oh, Lord, I remember you said, or there is only one thing that's important to me, and it is that, or when I first came to know you, this was the verse that, or when Ruth said about the Psalms, instantly my mind went to. And if none of those are true for you, here's a chance for you to have a think, and by the end of the weekend, to have something to write on your cup. Okay? Father, thank you. Thank you. I know it's very simple, but your love is very simple. You love us, Lord. You are good and kind all the time. And by the Holy Spirit, you show us who you are in Jesus. And that's how we know who we are. So dig a bit deeper, Lord, with us. Please help us get the root of Saturn in. 
where your love has not got below the surface for a long time. I pray that we would find the stones and get rid of them, that we would rip out the pond liner and underneath where there's weeds and roots of things from our past that we would let you clear them. We can't do it, Lord, so we're going to have to be the soil that waits for the gardener and there's only you that's the gardener. So come by your Holy Spirit and as we pick an item, help us as we hold it to know that we are held by you. And remind us of one truth that we feel confident to put on it. Amen.